Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. Today, we're interviewing Marley McMillan of the Chopped podcast and Namely Marley. She's another one of Jay's all-stars, and she's got so much to share and just gets really real and honest. So I hope you enjoy. Good morning and welcome. Today we are with Marley McMillan, who has so many things that are going on with her. She has the Chopped podcast. She has Namely Marley. She has an incredible um, following for all of her work that she does in the food blogging industry. Um, And she has the gigantic um, event that she puts on um, around that, which I'm excited to hear a little bit more about today um, and just learn more about you. So welcome, Marley. Thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be here. Yay. Hi, Marley. I missed you. Hey, Jay. I missed you, too. <laughs> so Marley and I worked together for um, six or seven months last year. Yeah. Was it It was, yep. was it 2015? That's when we started, actually, I think around September. Wasn't that right? Yeah. yeah. I guess so. Yeah, something like that. It was before your conference. Yes. I think I was in freakout mode, and you... you, were, you yeah, you were building up for your conference when we yes, first started. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, when I say freak out mode, I mean, I was in the mode of pre-conference where I had a lot of things going on and, and I needed someone, you know, I reached out to Jay cause I, I needed, I felt like I wanted to go into this conference feeling happy and excited and, and I, I needed someone to help me, you know, change my mindset on that. Awesome. So how did you hear about Jay? I actually was listening to the Bean Boss podcast and I, I, you know, I had actually been looking for a life coach. I had, you know, you, you go online and you can Google life coach and a lot of things will come up, but, <laughs> but it's really hard to choose from a list like that. So I listened to Bean Boss uh, podcast several times and Kathleen Shannon mentioned that she worked with Jay and it was the first time I had heard somebody mention a life coach that I went, oh, I want to check this out. And I went to his website and filled it out and thought, oh, I hope, you know, I hope you'd want to work with me. And, and here, the next thing you know, we were working together. Nice. Very cool. So, you know, you started with the idea around the conference. So you have the CHOP conference, CHOPPED conference. I want to C-H-O-P-P-E-D. Uh, and that is based upon your podcast, Chop, the CHOPPED podcast, which is for food bloggers, um, cook, chefs, people who are looking to, um, sort of enter that arena um, and to learn more about that. Can you tell us a little bit about where that came from and like how you got your, just maybe a little bit more just about sort of how you got your start and what you're doing now. Yeah, great. Yeah, so I have a background in, um, you know, I've got an MBA and I've done some work in the corporate world. I was a, a COO and, um, but you know, I think sometimes life, uh, if you, you know, you either can listen to your intuition or life will just take you in a different direction. And I felt very passionate about writing my whole life. And so I started this blog, Namely Marley, and I uh, initially was sharing actually information about people's names, which is where the Namely Marley comes from because, I actually uh, changed my first name in my life because I just felt moved. I, I don't think I felt very connected to my actual name, and I decided to uh, change it because someone started calling me Marley, and I thought, I love this. Uh, I just absolutely love that name, and I started introducing myself that to new people that I met. And then at one point, I decided just to legally change my name, and I did. So, and I love, I love that. I felt, you know, I feel very connected with with who I am now, and. Um, I have um, 
I, I felt like there were other people who might be feeling the same way. Like maybe they would want to know that you have the opportunity to change your first name or, you know, I've met so many people who have done that, believe it or not. There's a lot of people who have changed their name <laughs> electively. But then I also, you know, I'm vegan and so I'm very interested in um, vegan diet and vegan recipes and that's another thing that I've always loved even from a kid. I, I would go into the kitchen and make up my own recipes and so it, that was, that kind of lit me up inside too to share these recipes and I had no idea that you could even turn that into a business and once I learned that, I realized, oh, there's a lot of people making a lot of money as food bloggers. And so I started doing this podcast. I started doing the conference to get people together to talk about not only how you do it as a craft and as a hobby, but how you can take that hobby and turn it into something that's even more and, and it can actually be a profession for people. You have grown that into so many different pieces uh, with the conference and all of that. Um, how did... Is that something that sort of just you were inspired by? People were coming to you for additional information. I mean, what was it that made you think, gosh, I want to help other other food bloggers do what I'm doing? Well, you know, it's interesting. I go to, I've, I've gone to a few food blogging conferences. Uh, there are others out that are out there. And I was at one. And talk about, you know, Jay and I were just talking um, before we hit record about the topic of flow. <laughs> Talk about flow because I was at a conference where I was saying, you know, these food blogging conferences are great, but a lot of them are at destinations that are expensive to travel to. I don't know why there isn't one in Kansas City, which is where I'm from. Uh, that would be, you know, there's a lot, a lot of food bloggers in the Midwest and they could drive and that would be more, much more reasonably priced and uh, affordable. And uh, believe it or not, there was a company at the table where I said that that was from Kansas City. And oh, when wow. I got back, they called me and said, we heard you and we actually would like to work with you and create a conference. So the very first one, they gave me money to set it up. I mean, the very first one was just like, ta-da. Yeah, very yeah. nice. Yes. Uh, I had I had experience <coughs> working with conferences, but not putting on my own, like, you know, picking my own speakers, picking my own, you know, um, who who's going to sponsor this? Who's going to sponsor that? It was a big learning curve, but I actually, I really did love it a lot. So what I really loved too was, okay, so let me just, I'll be honest with you all. My experience going to food blogging conferences was that they felt to me an awful lot like high school where there are the popular girls that walk around like they, they know everything and only talk to a few people. And then there was everybody else that, you know, felt lost. And, you know, I, I actually talked to several people and I myself have experienced tears back in the hotel room like this is terrible and I can't believe I wasted money on this. I did not want that experience for anybody else. And so I created Chopped as this environment where anybody who walks in that door we are all equal we are all here to learn together we are all here to make fun and you know have fun and just you know embrace and celebrate each other oh i love that very passionate about that yeah <laughs> yes. and how many years marley this is the is this the third or fourth this this is the third year yeah third year that's what i thought yes yeah, and it was, I have to say, um, Jay came and spoke last year, and it was amazing to have him, uh, you know, basically wrap up the, the day with uh, talking about, you know, how important, you know, the thing is, 
food bloggers, uh, online entrepreneurs, creative people are all in the same boat. And that is, I feel like we are putting ourselves out there on a day-to-day basis. And it's very challenging. It, it's very challenging to know your own voice compared to all the voices that are out there. It's easy to compare yourself to others and the stats that they have, the following they have on social media. And all of that stuff starts messing with your head and Jay was just like a beacon in the darkness, just like, you know, reminding us how important it is to be connected with ourselves. Love it. So that kind of gets to the next part, which is more of, you know, how did you, have you always been interested in, I mean, you said that you were like, oh, I was thinking about a life coach and, and, you know, what was it that was, um, have you always been interested in it? Are you a purveyor of the work? I mean, what was it that really got you jump-started into doing the work? Well, you know, I grew up in, you know, life circumstances that were not, you know, like what you see on a sitcom, you know, I or, you know, on TV. I, you know, I grew up in I what I consider to be pretty difficult circumstances. My brother was um, schizophrenic. My dad was alcoholic. Um, we just had, you know, we were extremely poor, you know, down to the point like my mom had just a few things in the cupboard at one point and four kids. And so, you know, there were, we, I went through some really difficult times. However, I felt very evolved. Like I was constantly looking for ways to improve myself as an individual throughout my life. And I would just say, you know, like for me, being the first one in my family to graduate with a bachelor's degree felt really important. And then I'm not, you know, I wasn't done with that. I went and got a master's degree. And so, you know, like, like a choir singing, I am evolved, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what I what I'm so surprised about, when I called Jay, I was like thinking, I want to be more successful. I was looking for him to say, okay, you need to get up a little earlier. You need to, you know, <laughs> uh, say a few hell meditations and and then you're done. And and in reality, say <laughs> <laughs> like a few hell marys. That's your <laughs> hell meditations, not hell marys. <laughs> Repeat a few mantras. Uh, What I learned, though, is that I am like, you know, that people talk about the onion and the layers. It's just so true that I was just so um, dumbfounded to, you know, Jay listened to me. And then he basically like, let's start with you've got you're, you're too externally focused on everybody else and internally critical. And that was just huge. And I didn't even know that I was being that way. Jay heard my words, listened to me and repeated them back to me. And I was thinking, I'm saying that? I'm, Yeah, this is the dialogue that's going in. I did not think that anybody enjoyed working with me. I mean, even on my volunteer work that I do, on everything, I, I had a sense of anxiety about everything that I did. And I'm not saying that I walked around like, you know, biting my fingernails. I, I think I come across to everybody as fairly confident. Um, and I don't really feel fake about that. That's what's really funny. I, I feel genuinely like this happy, confident person. So to work with Jay and to realize at such an intrinsic level, I had to start repeating to myself, people enjoy working with me. And that has changed my life in a huge way. That was our Thank first uh, first conversation. Yeah. Or what we would call in the work, like the first limiting belief we uncovered was, right, Marley was like, you had this belief and this yeah. thing that you said to yourself, which was people don't want to work with me or people don't like me, something right. like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I internalized everything. If I was in a meeting and um, somebody looked at me the wrong way, it's not as if I walked home crying or anything like that. I'm not like, you know, I, but anyway, I, I would internalize that as, ah, I don't think they liked what I just said or, you know, they didn't call me back or, you know, just all these little, it's this little internal message going off, little ding all day long. You know, like we get a ding when we get an email. Mine was except mine was saying, ah, yep, they didn't like that. You're, you know, you showed up the wrong way here. That's yeah, hard. To it's that hypercritical. That. Yes. Hypervigilance, hypercritical. That that was one of the first things that we really took on and had you get conscious to. And then once you got conscious to that and started seeing that you were creating it or, you know, yes. just like in the work, right? So right. you have a belief that says people don't want to work with me. And then you gather evidence for that constantly. That's <laughs> so true. Molly was out there gathering evidence everywhere I she was. looked that people didn't want to work with her. <laughs> And so we reframed that, right? And then I, yep. if I remember correctly, I think I put you on the hook to go gather evidence to the opposite. Is that right? Or go whatever yeah. we could believe. People want to work with me, which would somehow we got to. Right. And then you're, I remember, I think you had a hook list that was like, go gather evidence to that. Yes. Like, go show, bring back evidence to our next call that people want to work with you. And you did it. Right. Yes, yeah. and there would be things like, you know, actually what's so interesting is just changing that mindset. It was it would be like, Jay, if you had told me, um, go look for, you know, red cars. And I would think, well, I don't hardly see red cars at all. And then I, I look, drive around and I'm like, oh, my God, there's like hundreds of red cars. You know? right. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I felt. Like I people would, you know, would say something like, oh, I really enjoyed. I actually will get back from a meeting and people will send me an email saying, thank you so much for um, the meeting today. I really enjoyed talking with you. It's, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. And then what happened as a result of that too, because I remember this because it was around because it was around conference time, is you started having people coming out of the woodwork to be on your team for that conference. Yes. Way yes. different than it was the year before where it was all mostly you and your family grinding it out doing the work. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And this year I've got even more of that. We actually have co-hosts this year that I it's you know, I write out to them and they're just excited for the opportunity to be a co-host. And that feels just I don't know, it just feels really wonderful to know that I think probably last year I would have said, Oh, well, they they only want to do that because um they want to be at this conference or they want to hobnob with some of the great speakers I've got. It's not about me. I mean, I don't want to come across like, you know, some egotistical but I, I, it's just nice to know that they're a part of that. Is yeah, they enjoy, um, they enjoy spending time with me as well. That's part of it. Yeah. It feels very yeah. nice. Well, and I mean, I think the the power that you have in that, and that you still have, and took away from, was that 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 you can shifting your perception shows you a completely different reality. Yes. Right. That's right. It's so true, and I. It, it also shifts my 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 approach to my day, Jay, because I feel like before I was, I had a, a defensive stance to the things that I did. I was looking to prove to my, prove myself to everybody all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And to understand. And that's hot. <laughs> say that again. You know, I said, that's hot. You know, that's real. People want, you know, in other words, you know, if you're yeah. defensive all the time, that's really attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Like, we all love to be on people like that, we right? We want to hang out with people who are defensive. <laughs> <laughs> so much true. fun to be around. And so I was, yeah. Yeah, I was like, showing up in the world like that every day. Yeah. I think that's easy to do, and especially when you are feeling like, I mean, when you, especially when you 
just from what you had said, you know, coming from that perspective of like, you almost felt like you had to be defensive of like, people should like you because, you know, and so it's like, how do I show up that way? Um, and I, you know, I think that we do that. It's so funny how you like, whatever you're trying to do to be the opposite of that, then you show up exactly how you don't want to be showing up for people. And you're like, Oh, that's good. Yes, exactly. You know, just by wanting it so much. I mean, it kind of reminds me of that science study where they, they had the monkeys, there's like an apple or something, a banana piece that down at the bottom of the jar but if they have their fist around it and they they can't oh they can't actually bring their hand the fist is too big to bring it back out of the bottleneck have oh, you yeah. heard of that yeah and so they just they keep so it's almost like it. yes if they would just turn the bottle over and drop it out it would it would fall out but you know i i feel that way too like the more i could just relax and i feel like that working with jay really helped me with that <laughs> a lot to learn to relax and what i found very interesting in that is that um, it's, t- I had probably walked around with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because of that defensiveness. And now I can celebrate the success of others as well. You know, like if I'm in a meeting and somebody's talking about something great they're doing, it's not in my mind like, oh, well, I can do that too. And now I'm like, ah, that, that's great. You did a wonderful thing. I'm so impressed with what you did, you know? Yeah, it's giving you space to be able to be what, so yeah. much more open that you're, that you're able to celebrate other people because you don't have to be defensive. Right. Right. I don't have to think of, oh, if I could be more like them, that's how I get liked. Oh, that's now I know what the secret is. That's in my, (laughs) that was going on in my mind. Don't we love that? (laughs) You're like, oh, that's the secret. And then you're like, oh no, that's not what it is at all. Well, and that's true. And sometimes I would make it about things about that person that were no, I had no opportunity, like, you know, maybe it's because uh, she's very beautiful or she's, uh, you know, like, or there are these things about this person that I can't have. So that's, I'm never going to be in that boat or, you know what I mean? So therefore, um, I'm never going to get that. And so it was just like a, uh, it was just a terrible way of being. And it was something that was going on that I didn't even realize. So kind of the inside of a a head can be a a scary place sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But through working with Jay, I've actually, I feel like I've uncovered different parts of myself. So for example, on that topic of beauty, now I, I, I look in the mirror and I say, what if this is the definition of beauty? No, why does like a certain, why is there only one definition of beauty? That doesn't even make any sense, does it? No. They'd be like saying only roses are beautiful and that nobody says that. There's all different kinds of flowers out there. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think that we, as women especially, have this like, you know, and it's funny how, this interesting that you bring bring this up, because just the other day I was looking at this, they had this um, sort of flip photo thing on Facebook where it was like all the different types of beauty from around the world and how... um, different, you know, what somebody's, like, our version of beauty versus, you know, somebody in Bangladesh versus somebody in China. Yes. Um, and then they had these makeup artists redo, a, and, it, and Photoshop people redo a person in so that they looked beautiful in their country. And it was just incredible to see how, you know, we think about Photoshop and all of the different things that we do to create this image that we're all supposed to live up to somehow um right and these were so vastly different from each other 
um, compared to like what what would be our standards of beauty. And it was just amazing. And that was the first thing that I thought was, you know, here we are trying to live up to this certain specific standard. And it's like, who, who create, who made that? You know, I, yes, that's not what's right. I mean, I can make it however I want it to be. And I can see beauty in things that maybe other people don't see beauty in it. And that's good. That's okay. You know, we can, as right. long as we're open to it and don't start to beat ourselves up about it and hold ourselves up against something that is never going to be attainable, then why why fight that battle anymore? And it's opened my eyes a lot, too, to see things, see beauty in different ways as I've sort of walked through the world and, and seeing people from other cultures and things that I probably would have just sort of walked by and not even thought about, but then, like, really getting a peek at like really looking at them and seeing the, you know, the beauty that, that they hold as, as if, of, you know, as, as opposed to just sort of walking by and not noticing um, who they are. So I love that, that you're, you know, creating your own version of beauty. Yeah. In fact, I, I won't even look into the mirror if I, if I'm in a kind of a critical mode, I just won't look, look in the mirror. Um, I try to only look in the mirror when I can feel love for myself as I am. And I feel like that helps me show up in my day with just that, you know, it's not a fake confidence. It's a, it's a sense of, you know, I think Jay, you've talked about this kind of being courageously vulnerable. And that's how I feel when I when I when I start my day like that. It feels very courageously vulnerable. I love that courageously vulnerable. I'm gonna I'm writing that down because <laughs> I'm going to use. But that. you know, like for, I feel like I've used my whole my whole life. I've spent defining myself how I present myself to the world, and that if I'm not like skinny, then that doesn't. You know, it's like my whole life has been based on that. I'm a kind of a curvy person, and you know. Why? Why does it have to be wrong? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to it's know. Not, <clears throat> not at all. Not wrong. I mean, that's the other thing, actually, Jay. You you worked with me. Another mantra you had. One of them was, uh, people like to work with me. Another one was, why do I make it wrong? So as I would say things like, you know, so and so has more traffic than me. So why do I make that wrong? Or, you know, so and so is more successful. They're making more money. Why do I make that wrong? Oh, okay. So. That is really powerful for me to realize. I actually spent uh, probably like three or four days asking myself that about everything that came on in my head, Jay. It felt it was yeah. really great. Yeah, give it up, make it wrong is the first step because then we have access to something else. As long as we're making something wrong, it's we're resisting it, we're pushing against it, and there's no room for anything possible. Right. So that's always yep. the first step in everything is whatever's happening give up, make it wrong that it's happening or give up, make it wrong that you had that thought, whatever it is, if you can give up, make right. it wrong, then you have access to something else. Yeah. yeah I love that. And it also yeah. helps me question like, where does that come from? It's like, I can remember my sister used to tell me that if I followed, swallowed gum, it would stay in my stomach for seven years. And I believe that, you know, it's like big sister telling that to the little sister, you know, freaking me out. And, and then at some point I was, as in a young adult, I was like, Oh, you know what? I bet she was making that up. <laughs> <laughs> so when you asked me that question, can I give up making this wrong? You know, I, I started to do that about a lot of things in my life and realized, Oh, these are like society's belief, or this was what my mom believed. And she said to me several times through my life. Uh, now I, I, it doesn't mean I have to believe that too. Right. And it just points to the idea of a belief being something you've just told yourself or been told 
over right. and over and over and over and over again. Something I wanted to point to, Marley, that I know that we dealt with towards the end of our time together that I would like you to share, if it's okay, because I think it's uh, something that especially all people, but especially the women I work with, we got to point towards the end of our time together where I know you had a shift in and there were two things working here. One was we got clear that part of your happiness formula, which in the book I talk about having a happiness formula and how maintenance is the key, right? Maintaining a certain level of happiness is where we want you because we want you to create from a happy place, right? right. And yeah. so, and everybody has different things on their maintenance formula. And for you, one of the things we got clear about was physical exercise, playing tennis, um, getting up out of your desk and moving your body and I think playing the guitar were things that needed to be on your happiness formula. Yeah. And that one of the things I remember very vividly that we talked about was this whole world of being an entrepreneur. We have it as entrepreneurs and as creatives that we have to work 14 hours a day and grind it out or we're not going to be successful. It's a, it's a belief that almost every single person comes to me with. And I'm not saying that if you want to work that much, that obviously go for it, <laughs> you know, but I don't I want to have a life <laughs> yeah. where I don't work a lot and I make a lot of money. Like I want to, you know, really enjoy my life right. and have every hour be a joy. And you and I talked about that. And if I remember correctly, one of the things that you really got to was you got the concept that you're going to get a lot more done if you go get up from your desk and go walk around or go play tennis or do whatever you want do that fulfills you up and then come back to work for a half an hour. And that half an hour, you're going to get more done than you would have got done in two and a half hours of trying to grind it out and sit there and force yourself to do that rather than go take that walk. Do you remember that? I absolutely remember that because I remember thinking this was ex not what I was expecting from a life coach. Cause I was thinking, you know, you'd say, get up early, work out or, you know, like, you know, work harder, you know, <laughs> longer hours and, <laughs> So, yeah, that actually, you know, I think you actually even told me spend a week doing everything that you absolutely love. And I, that was, I have to be honest, that was a little bit overwhelming to me, um, even to this day, like, you know, the idea of spending a week doing what I love. But I have gotten to the point where I do know that formula of what I do that makes me happy. I do start every day with meditation. Um, I journal. I also, you know, I like to go for a walk by myself. I don't probably do the walk every day, but I do find those days are so much better when I do that. So, you know, like this week I've done it every day and it's been great. But when I have time to myself to go play the guitar, it's, it does feel counterintuitive, Jay, doesn't it? Even, yes. even as I'm doing it, I still, I, I have to kind of talk myself into it. Like this is what I need to be doing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I actually was, um, listening the other day, um, to it was I, I don't know how I got into it. It was one of those YouTube like rabbit holes where you fall into it and you start watching videos from somebody like who's really like positive and wonderful and like I think I was listening to uh, doing a meditation or something and then you know you end up watching like beauty tutorials or whatever. But this time I or like cat watching you know chasing your laser beam. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. You're like, why am I doing this? Um, but then yes. I I ran into this um, this guy who was doing these videos about 
um, starting new businesses and being a startup. And at first, it was this really, really kind of empowering video where he was talking about how um, uh, it seems like the startup game is really like a young person's field. You know, you're thinking of the 20-year-old who starts their own whatever company and they're making a million dollars in a year or whatever. Um, and so he was talking about how he felt like that was wrong and how we needed to give uh, people that are 40 plus the space to, um, you know, really go out there and do it because they have the experience to use it. But then it really quickly turned into this like screaming at me about how I'm not willing to hustle hard enough and how that's the problem and how he worked from, you know, 4 a.m. until midnight that day before and he put in the work and that's why he's making millions of dollars and and I mean it was like this whole thing about how we're all so lazy and we're not willing to put in the, the extra work and and I started looking at this guy and I'm thinking do you have a you look like you're a miserable human being <laughs> like I mean do, do you have a family do you have people that you care about I mean what do you what do you do I mean it literally went on and I caught myself about five minutes into it and I just finally was like screw this and I just <laughs> turned it off because I was like I don't need somebody to tell me that I need to hustle harder I think that that's like this opposite idea of what I really want to do with my life like I want to figure out a way to make all the pieces fit so that I'm enjoying it along the way. At what point do you hustle so hard and until what? You know, the end game has there has to be something there, right? And so, I don't know. I well, was just fry brain. It's when your brain is fried. yeah. And I'm like, that's the end game of that. That's the end game right there of that whole mindset. And this guy dies of a massive heart attack at heart 45. Attack at you know, like because yeah. he's and yeah. he yeah. looks back at 60 and goes, I never had kids. I never had family. I never had you know, and I'm like, well, uh, that's not me. So congratulations. Or he had those things and he never spent time yeah. with them. So what's the point? And, yeah. Right? And so their kids are going, yeah, I never knew who my dad was. Like I didn't spend any time with him. He worked all the time. I had money. We had lots of money, but. Well, I think it's a very, um, old boys network kind of way of acting. I mean, and, you know, I think I think if you were to look at society and say, you know, men has, have kind of dominated, and Jay probably can speak to this more than I can because you, you, you know, you life coach women and you've seen this, that um, I think women actually intuitively are better leaders, but the problem is you, you have to learn how to be in touch with your intuition, and that's not always easy. It's, it's easier just to say, just work really hard. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, I don't want people to get, think that I never <clears throat> never work harder, that people who are creatives aren't going to have times. I've got a client right now who's about to open a school, and she's working so, I mean, a lot of hours right now, and I was just with her last night, and, you know, what I said to her is like, look, this is what it looks like when it's working right now. Right. And not that, and because she's got so much coming at her right now, and I'm sure, Marley, right about the day or two before your conference, you're kicking yeah. ass. I mean, you're working yeah. eight hours. You know, you're working eight, 12-hour right. days. I'm not right. saying there isn't a time for that. And some people love that, and that's great. I just personally, my own, you know, mindset is that every single day, what I know for sure is that my business flows, and I have, you know, way more fun when I'm not doing stuff I hate and grinding it out constantly. It's when I know to, you know, go play the guitar for half an hour or go work out if 
it, that's the thing that's that's like I'll go out and have a great time and that's when I get the calls for new clients. <laughs> I mean, yeah, almost inevitably yes. every time I go on vacation, I have new clients show up. Every Isn't that time. interesting? Yes. It's that idea of yeah. like, you know, when you are so focused on the fear around lack. I think that that's what that like grinding really is. And I think that was so a huge help for me with Jay was like looking at it and seeing lack and what lack really was and being like okay when I am feeling that like uh, internal like crap I've got to get this done I've got to like just grind it out and keep working until midnight or whatever if I'm not having fun in it it's because I'm there's a fear level there versus like an acceptance of it's all going to work out it's all going to be okay I can put this down and come back to it tomorrow um and it'll it'll work out um, there are times where I find myself working until midnight because I'm having a lot of fun and I'm enjoying myself and I'm, uh, you know, doing something that I'm really loving. And that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different feel to me than, you know, totally like different. the, oh, crap, I've got to get this out before somebody, you know, else beats me to it or whatever. Right. Yeah. I, I have this theory that it's as if we're walking through fog and... And it's the ego side of us that wants to act like we know what we're doing, like we know where we're going, even though we really don't know, like we, we want to just act certain about it. And then I feel like it's like our intuition or, you know, I call it my internal me. That's, that's my navigation system. And the more I can be in tune with that, I can walk purpose, you know, I can know what I'm doing walking through that fog. <laughs> I don't know if that makes yeah. sense or not. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, we were just talking about, uh, Becca, before you got on the call, Marley and I were talking about, um, I'm reading the book right now, uh, Untethered Soul by Mike, Michael Singer, and I just got into it, and it's so far it's not anything different than I've always known, but I always get, I always enjoy how different authors put things or different spiritual leaders um, speak about things because I think when it's fresh, sometimes it's very helpful. And he's talking about that voice in your head and how the important thing is to know that that voice in your head is not you and that the reason that we know it's not you is because you can hear it mm. and you can't observe something and be something at the same time. And so he talks about, and again, I'm only in two chapters of this book, but I'm really enjoying <laughs> it. Um, but he talks about how to his, in the second chapter, he says to, to call it to like start thinking of it as a noisy roommate and just watch it happen for the next you know, a couple of days or whatever. So the last couple of days I've been watching my noisy roommate and I was telling Marley, it just plays the same, that dang old roommate just sings or plays the same, like one line of a song over and over again. <laughs> 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 like, for the last couple of days, it's been playing the first line of happy. Right? Uh, the very first, yeah, you know, because might I'm be crazy what I'm about to say. <laughs> that, like, over and over again, it's going, might be crazy what I'm about to say. <laughs> hell <laughs> seriously you have to play this over and over oh my god yeah. oh yeah it's I, that happens to me all the time a lot of time it's um oh god that's straight up now tell me do you want to be paula abdul oh my noisy roommate loves paula just and just that one line too over and over and over oh again my god. that shit will make you nuts <laughs> I kind of so, like both of those lines, though, because straight up now tell me, and, and I'm about to be crazy, you know, maybe crazy what I'm about to say. I mean, it sounds to me like the same thing, Jay. You have a lot to say. 
I do. Have a lot to say it's really funny. Um, but, you know, the whole point is like you can make yourself nuts thinking that that's who we could. We as humans, yeah. I can make myself crazy if I thought that that's really who I was. Was that just crazy voice that's going off, judging and assessing everything, and commenting on everything, and you know, it's, it'll make it crazy because all that stuff just. It's everything we've ever known from our past. It's every judgment and assessment. It's us trying to assimilate our world to make yeah. sense for ourselves. Um, but I think what you're talking about, Marley, is what you call your inner you or your, yeah. you know, I call it your self and Abraham calls it your inner being. When you get still enough to let that thing guide you, man, I mean, it's, that's, that's when we stretch I mean, time. That's when we, that's when we get into a universal flow that just, that's the piece that, you take that into business, you're going to rock the house. That's true. And, and and actually, it's everything in your life, too, right? I mean, it can be about food, too. Oh, yeah, you everything. can just be intuitive and connect with your enemy about what you want to eat. It's funny because when I first started doing this, I felt like <laughs> I thought maybe my inter- internal me was a glutton. Like I would only be eating nachos and I would only be, you know, like <laughs> – <laughs> hostess cupcakes forever you know <laughs> you're like if i did what i want i'd eat every cookie in the house or something like that and i was like no you will <laughs> now i've just given myself permission i'm gonna eat them all <laughs> but what i what i really um realized over the you know months is that my internal me actually likes it when i feel good mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. so yeah. every now and then i do want brownie and that's okay but i don't eat the whole thing I I mean and when I say the whole thing I mean the whole yes. pan <laughs> exactly I, I can have a couple of bites and I can be done with it and but you know I really really enjoy those few bites or, or maybe I do have a whole brownie or whatever I, I just kind of learning to listen to myself more and it, it's an amazing experience yeah and I think that but that's one of the things I love about you is that in our work together you got really present to that and you were really open to being present to that intuition or you know your your inner inner you and i think almost every woman when they first come to work with me has that same story if i let boy if i just listen to or do what i want or really listen to that I'd, i'll never clean the house i'll eat chocolate all day i'll sit on my ass i'm like no you won't <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not who you truly are that's you got to trust that your inner being really wants to make a difference in the world it really wants to yeah. connect with people it really wants you to feel good it really and if you really listen to that voice if that's who's guiding you you're you'll you're golden i mean everything you want to do everything you're called to do will be stuff that moves you forward Rather than drags you back by your throat. Right. And I think that it goes to the what you do when you aren't feeling good and what you aren't, fe- you know, and that was one of the things that, you know, Jay pointed out to me a long time ago. Um, my typical reaction to when I'm feeling overwhelmed or just not happy or having that depression monster start to kind of look at me out of the side eye, you know, that kind of thing. My My thing that I do are those things that, I think that I would be worried about doing, you know, that I go to bed, I I go down, I stop talking to people, I internalize, I, and I, and that's this, and I, and I don't, and in that, I don't feel good, like, I feel like I'm coming down with something, or I just, I can make up all of these reasons why it's happening, Um, but really, it's, it's like this, 
it's that opposite reaction to when I'm feeling my best. And so what I really, when I, when I really am happy and when I'm really doing what I want to be doing and I'm, and I'm listening to my internal dialogue, like I am out and doing and being and creating and, and whatever that might look like for that moment, it could be different each time. But when I see myself now falling into that, that pattern of, okay, I'm not going to answer the phone or I'm going to go hide in bed and watch house hunters all day. Um, like that I know is, is the, is the opposite of who I really am. Um, and it's that negative part of me. That's that hiding part of me that's coming out versus, um, just really enjoying myself, uh, it's, it, in doing what I want to be doing. Yeah. Well, I would assert too that your inner being has balance in all things. Mm. Mm. That's good. You know, moderation in all things. Just like you said, your inner being isn't going to have you eat a pan of brownies. Your inner being is going to have you have a brownie. Two of them. (laughs) 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 Depending on the day. But if you're really listening to your inner, you know, to your inner guidance, to that part of you that's connected to everything, it's like it doesn't want to OD itself. I mean, it doesn't doesn't feel good. So it doesn't. It wants you to feel good. If you watch yeah. a child eat, they don't even know how to overeat. They don't. I mean, they they, they will stop when they're full, and they yeah. eat in ways where you can tell they're truly enjoying what they're eating. They stop. They, I mean, they, they are natural, intuitive eaters. Yeah, that's interesting because I have had to learn that having kids. It's something I tried to control when I first had kids, thinking yes. that I needed to. And then um, we had a somebody tipped us off that a doctor one time said, Never worry about how much your kids eat in a day. Think about how much they eat in a week because some days they, they, they intuitively know if they're not hungry, they won't eat. Right. And they won't, like, they won't go binge on something because they're not hungry or they're hungry or just let them be. And so right. just we just most do, for the most part, try to let our kids be. I mean, uh, my son's like me and he can be a real, you know grumpy guy if he hasn't eaten anything <laughs> sometimes so you know we ask him <laughs> you know we try to manage his blood sugar but at the same time it's like when we just let him go some days you know he'll eat two two eggs and four pancakes for breakfast and then other days he'll have a piece of fruit and that's it you know and, and he knows how to i mean it's what he wants so oh. yeah i completely get that that's so cool that you're giving him that experience of letting him eat intuitively and letting him that carry because I, I think otherwise they get that emotional eating. And actually, that's what I was going to ask you, a coaching question, Jay, um, yeah. around this topic of not making something bad. So, you know, can you carry that to an extreme that it's not healthy? So, for example, um, you know, weight is a, you know, it's a great metaphor for a lot of different things. Like, you know, it can be sure. also about success in your business or whatever. So let's just yeah. use the weight as an example. So I may say, hey, I'm curvy and I'm cool with that. I'm not going to make that bad. It's just who I am. But can you carry that to an extreme that I'm, you know, if I'm, if, if I were 50 pounds heavier and then it's like not healthy for me. But you know what I'm saying? That's, I sometimes get in those dilemmas of like, when is it okay to make it bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's ever okay. I mean not not that it's not okay. My thing is if somebody is you know what our standard of overweight might be and mm-hmm. they're happy and they're he- they're healthy in their world, right. that's all that matters. I mean, it's okay. I really believe that how you think about it is how it is. And I have friends that are very, you know, fat positive, for example, who are large people and are very healthy people and very active and they love their lives and they they love how they fit in their clothes and you know I'm very clear that they're happy people and 
I don't, they're not making it wrong. I'm not making it wrong. I mean, you know, it's like they're I happy. Love that. Oh, I think what's so important good. is that you are happy and you're, it's in alignment with who, who you want to be and how mm-hmm. you want to be. And I do think that there's stuff that we can go into denial about. I mean, I have right. uh, my friend and colleague coach, um, MK Mueller has a weight loss program called, uh, she's in her, all of her work is called eight to great. And MK has a weight loss program called eight to great weight loss. And she, she, what I know of it anyway, I don't want to speak too much cause I don't know a ton of it, but I do know that, uh, while she has people l- releasing, releasing weight off of their body, she also has them purging things from their house and releasing things. And I, th- and she comes from a perspective that weight, um, is a lot about holding on to stuff. Mm. And as people start to release, and she also doesn't ever make them wrong. She always just holds space for however they are. Like they may lose one pound this week. They may, may lose 12, may lose 12 and none of it's wrong. Right. Wow. It's always showing up, supporting them where they are, holding space for them. I mean, she's really powerful with that. And I know people who've gone through a program and lost a ton of weight and were also released and purged tons of things from their home. You know, like we're holding on to stuff from the past that they were able to release for the first time in their lives. And so, you know, like she, there's thing, you know, there's all that whole world, especially with weight loss, we could get into all day long um, because it's such an intense yeah. thing, especially for women. But I think the most important thing is, are you happy? Are you healthy? Are you complete and satisfied with yourself? And that's, I think, the most important thing. I love that. So I I just have a couple of thoughts based on that. And one of them is that I just heard somebody say yesterday that hoarding, which could be kind of, you know, you can look at that as in a similar, I mean, probably all of it, you know, anything done to an extreme can have some similar themes to it. Mm -hmm. Hoarding is a, um, a symptom of not allowing yourself to grieve. Isn't Mm. that interesting? Yeah. I've heard that before. I had a friend who, um, God rest her soul. She's been gone for a while. Um, but she uh, lost her brother to AIDS and her parents uh, just a few years after that. Oh, gosh. And um, she was a hoarder. And um, she and this is when I was living in Washington, D.C. She hired somebody to help come in. And there are actually people who do this for a living where yeah. they'll come in and help you go through your stuff. And uh, the person that she worked with really came from that perspective that this was all about her. She wanted to hold on to things because she's had so much loss in her life. Oh, yeah. And didn't know how to process that or, or you know, right. like you would say, process the grief. And so she just held on to stuff and it made her feel safe. And so working with this person, she was able to release, um, you know, a whole house right. full of stuff. Um, interestingly enough, like she died like two years later, which was very interesting to me um, that she finally released all this stuff and then she died. Um, But yeah, it was, uh, uh, that's a pretty common theory. I think is that hoarding is um, holding on, is being unable to deal with loss or holding on to stuff to help you feel safe. I think that weight does that too. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a safety factor and I think for women, especially, um, and I know that we talked about this with Aaron a little bit with, um, you know, just like sexual assault. I think, a lot of women will put on weight or they will, they will, um, add, you know, they will create this barrier between them and society through, you know, what they weigh. And so then they can just say, well, it's because I'm fat, you know, versus like, 
you know, dealing with all the emotional part of what that is. And I know that there was a big part of that for me. Yeah. Actually, I interviewed, I interviewed somebody for my Namely Marley podcast who lost 100 pounds and was very surprised at the reactions that she received from people. Like she was expecting her own internal issues, but she didn't expect like men would now open the door for her. And those things were unsettling to her. Oh my gosh, totally. Yeah. I, I've been dealing with that now for the last year or so. And, you know, when I first started losing the weight and I would have people come up to me and be like, oh, my gosh, Becca, like, how great you look. And it was really nice. And I was I was like, oh, wow, you know, people are noticing it. And then it got to this point where I was like, well, was I this like disgusting human being before or like, you know, getting, you know, somebody who open the door or looks from guys or you know different things that were happening and I and it was got very there's been these very uncomfortable moments with myself where I've been like you know I don't know how to deal with that and I don't know how to deal with people's impress you know responses to me as a you know thinner human being um when especially when I think that I haven't necessarily changed the picture in my head of who I am um so I'm still surprised by it. You know, I'm still surprised. Like, what? why am I getting the And then it's like, oh. And so I put everything on the weight versus even maybe how I stopped. I started carrying myself differently. I approached the world differently when I lost the weight. I had, I was much more, I mean, I threw my shoulders back. I was much more open to people. I wasn't hiding behind a lot of that weight anymore. Right. And so I think I got yeah. attention not only because I was, I don't know, more stereotypically attractive, but I think it was because I was more open to it. Yes, I think that makes great sense. Yeah, and but I, I also, mean, you know, what there is to keep in mind is whatever you're making it up. You are the one who gets to make up all the things that everybody, every time somebody says something to you, you get to make up what that means. Yeah. Right, because it's not like you're going to investigate and say, now, why did you really say that? You know, did you mean, right. you know, so why not just make up a story and say, they really up. like me? <laughs> it's all a story anyway. That's powerful. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I was going to say, too, what I liked about what you said, Jay, about um, having friends that are, you know, larger and um, they're fine with themselves. I like that for two perspectives. One, it teaches me to not be harsh on myself. It also teaches me to not be judgmental of others. Like, in other words, just erase that notion. And if they're content with who they are and they feel healthy and they're doing the things they need to do, that's that's their, you know, they're where they need to be. I, I know people, um, you know, you have the weight loss thing that happens. And I think that people, a lot of times you become like the anti. And so you start to look at other people who are still, you know, who are heavy or whatever. And you start to judge them. And I caught myself doing that a couple of times, like being like, yeah. well, you know, oh my gosh, they are so overweight or they, and I'm thinking to myself, and then, you know, I catch myself going, Dude, Becca, like this is exactly the opposite of what, you know, you, you didn't, you don't know their story. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know what their, their situation is. Like who am I to, right. to judge? And so I think it's interesting how you can become, even if you've lived in that space, you become like this judge. It's like almost worse. Like you become like the judge and jury of everybody once you're not in that space anymore. Um, and right. I, I, you know, trying very hard to not be be that person right and one way of doing that for me at least is just to try to focus on the beauty of everybody I see you know whether they're older whether they're younger whether they're 
you know, just, you know, we all, I think there, it's easy to focus on the beauty of some people who fit a certain standard, but what about the beauty in everybody that comes in your path? I think that, to me, that helps me a lot. Well, yeah, and if you can, if you could, just like when we we're talking about your, if you can get in touch with your own inner being, knowing that every other person you encounter has that same inner being, that's what you want to see. Exactly. That soft gaze. Soft gaze. Yeah, yes. that. I like that. Today, I told you this too. I actually started implementing that about my own life. Um, I know to some people, you know, I just mentioned that my brother was schizophrenic and I'm going to sound a little crazy myself, but you know, <laughs> whatever. I actually have given names to inner uh, versions of myself, which is like my um, my 18-year-old self. I uh, One day, I just dawned on me, like if I looked at my life right now, I mean, like, sometimes I'm so harsh on myself, like, why haven't I done more? Why haven't I succeeded in this area? Why haven't I written a book by now? Why haven't I done this? And then if I just yeah. stop that inner chatter and look at my life through my 18-year-old, she's like, girl, you've got this going on. You are, you know, she is so impressed with everything that I'm doing. And I need her energy and her fresh eyes in my life sometimes. So I love that. I, I love, love that. that. It's kind of like when you look right. back at a picture of yourself at like 18 and you're like, I didn't look that bad. Yes, I know. And how much you hated that picture yeah, when it was and taken. And now right? I look at it and I'm like, right. damn, I looked good. <laughs> and then trying right. to remind myself that, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to look back at a picture from today and think the same thing. And so my 18 year old, she was looking for opportunities to go for walks or runs or be active. And I like her energy <laughs> life. I also have um, like my inner child and it always cracks me up how I feel like people are always saying I need to go heal my inner child and I want to go, my inner child had it going on. I mean, my my little five-year-old was like Tom Sawyer running around, you know, no cares in the world. I actually want to harness more of that in my life too, so. Oh, I like that. I have both of them singing at me sometimes. That's nice. Yeah. It feels very good. It feels like a kind of a... A connection with who I am as an entire being, like who I am now and who I am then. I also think about myself in the future. So like like you just said, Becca, if I could look back at my 18-year-old self now and say, oh my God, look how beautiful I was. And yet today I am critical of myself, like, oh, too many wrinkles or, you know, this or that. What, what my future self might come back to me exactly the way I am and say, look how beautiful you are. Yeah, you know? It's so true. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we are already here right at an hour, which we try to keep to. I, get, we, I could just keep talking for forever, They're, especially around these topics. Me too. I think that it's so interesting, and I think so many of us can identify with exactly what we're talking about. And we deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis because we have to face ourselves and we look in that mirror every day, you know, we, or, we, or we don't, you know, or we choose not to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's a choice. <laughs> I think that was one of those things where it took me a while to realize just that how I hadn't looked at myself in a lot of years. Like, sure, I'd passed by the mirror and, you know, brushed my hair or whatever, but like really looked at myself. And that was just as much of a choice as it is to, you know, stare at myself and, and tear myself down um, by each piece by piece. So, in, so how we end our interview podcasts we, I love to ask the question um, of our, our people that we're talking to about what they would recommend in terms of doing the work. Like what would be one thing, one area um, that you would say to our listeners, this is something that I could recommend to you, um, this works for me, 
um, to give them your little piece of advice? Well, I, that's a no-brainer for me. My my advice would be to meditate because to me, a meditation is like, you know, like when you're driving and you think you hear a siren, what do you do? You, you turn the radio off or you, you know, you kind of, you're more alert. You look around. Am I hearing something? Is that a siren? Do I need to pull over? Do I need to slow down? And to me, that's what meditation is, is like slowing down so that I can start to quiet everything that's going on in my day and listen to what's going on inside of me. Oh, I love that. I love that love description. That. That's, that's great for people who do struggle with the idea of meditation. I think that's a good way to approach it. It's not necessarily like, you know, get deep 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 it's like just get quiet yes. with yourself for a moment turn Stop. the radio down <laughs> you know Be still. yes and I started out with Headspace. It's a free app that you can get. They, I mean, they have ten free meditations, so they're ten minutes. Or it's you know pretty easy to do. I think it's a kind of a nice way to start. I used that for a long time before, and I've kind of graduated into other ones now. But I think that's a great one to start with. Marley, were you meditating before we start working together? Um, I I practiced uh, maybe like once every other month. <laughs> I was familiar with it. But right. I, I wasn't familiar with the effect it would have on me every day. And to be completely honest, I kind of was judgmental of it. Like people would say, you want to be more productive, you should meditate. And that made no sense to me whatsoever. To be more productive, I do nothing? That, that's ridiculous. But right. I think you really helped me see the value of doing it day to day. And that since then, I've, you know, I, I probably, I'll meditate six out of seven days. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I Maybe. want to take an opportunity to acknowledge you because... You know, and this is a perfect perfect example. Um, when you you are one of the people I've so enjoyed working with because there's nothing better to you know. I used to work with people I had to drag to their own greatness. <laughs> <laughs> Let me drag you along and tell you how great you are. Um, and so now I I'm so blessed that I attract people who are already really open and willing and uh, coachable. And you are such a great example of that. And your coachability. It's just a blast. I mean, you were so fun to work with. I really, when I say I miss you, I really miss you. (laughs) Because you're so much fun to work with. I mean, you, you know, you would come to a call and might be all bunched up. And by the time we get off the call, you'd be on fire. And you actually really took the coaching and did, did the things. And meditation is one of them. I know when we first started you, it wasn't a practice. And pretty quickly you made it a practice just because I asked you to and because yeah. you listen to your coach and yeah. there's no nothing better than being a coach and having somebody actually listen and then and do the work and then see the results of it and so I what I want to I want to acknowledge you for being coachable and open but more importantly I want to speak to when you first came to me one of the things we created early on and I want people to get this because you and I haven't it hasn't been a year i think we started working together last year you know like around the end of the summer or something like that and so it hasn't been a year i want people to get how fast a year goes within a year you're somebody who meditates on a regular you're somebody who is in touch with your intuition and you're a thought leader in your industry and that is something that the very first one of the very first or second calls we distinguished as one of your goals was to be a thought leader in your industry. One year later, you are a thought leader in your industry. 
you're a meditator, you listen to your intuition. I mean, all the things that we wanted to line up, you managed in six, seven months of coaching. And it's just extraordinary. I mean, it's so much fun. Uh, it's such a joy to know somebody and to be an example like this for everybody else in the world. And that's and then you're a leader, right? Thought leader and leader to all the people who are doing what you're doing. And so I just couldn't be more happy and proud of you. And um, just such a, you're such a joy in my life. So thank you for who you are. And I hope you get to your bones that you're an extraordinary human being, Marley. Oh, thank you. That's just like just taking it all in and just like closing my eyes and listening to you and soaking it all in. It feels very good. Well, where can people find you? So we've got a lot of people now who are going, okay, I've got a new podcast that I'm going to subscribe to. So uh, <laughs> let everybody know where they can find Marley. Well, if you're interested in, you know, like vegan and um, recipes and just my thoughts on, on life, uh, you know, as I'm living it, that's at Namely Marley. And that's, I, I like to say, I am I am not Bob Marley. There's no E in my Marley. So it's like Namely Marley, N-A-M-E-L-Y-M-A-R-L-Y. Um, that's NamelyMarley.com. And, and I'm on social media with all of Namely Marley as well. Um, and and then with Chopped, if you, if you have a food blog and you're thinking, or if you're just any kind of creative entrepreneur and you are very interested in learning how to do that, once a week, we interview people that are probably experts in the field. Um, that's choppedcon.com. Um, the podcast is right there as well. Um, but then now we've added some what we're calling fry chats, which is like mini-sodes on Fridays where um, one, there's a food blogger named Kara Anzos, and she and I um, chat about the more spiritual side of food blogging, which is really important as a creative entrepreneur. So we enjoy both of those. Oh, cool. I didn't know about that part. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Nice. All right. Well, we'll add all of those to the show notes, of course, so people can find you um, by going to jandbecca.com and, and searching through the show notes. You'll be able to find all of that information. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a joy to get to know you a little bit better and to hear about your journey. And thank you so much for being so open to the process and being able to be vulnerable to that. And um, I know that our listeners appreciate when our people come to the table willing to sort of share their struggle, their part, their transformation, their, their journey that they're on. Um, I know that it makes a, a huge difference. So thank you for that. Well, thank you both. I had a wonderful All right, time. Well, we'll talk soon. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We hope that you got a little slice of practical transformation that you can use in your personal and business life. And here's what we want to leave you with. Whether you are just starting on this journey of practical transformation and just starting with baby step affirmations just to focus you in a direction of loving yourself or whether you've been doing this work for a long time and you can literally say, I am thrilled with the path my life is on. Wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with right now, you're right where you're supposed to be. The thing that's in front of you is the thing that's going to have you at your most powerful once you accomplish it. And what I know and what we know is if you're willing to take baby steps with progress, not perfection, and just staying on that horse, you're going to get there. And we're going to get there with you. So thanks for being with us. Now, don't forget to go and subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Let us know what you think. And reach us at info at doing, uh, sorry, info at jayandbecca.com. And that will let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover or anybody you want us to interview. Maybe you. 
You can reach us on our Facebook page too, right? Yep. Yeah, totally. So um, that's just facebook.com slash Jay and Becca. All right. We'll see you around next time. Bye, Thanks for joining Jay. us. <laughs>